0: Welcome back to another sparkling edition of The Thought Police. We are in week three of lockdown. Matt Kelly is in uh, another part of the world. I'm in London. Uh, Matt, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hello, Mike. How are you, mate? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, we were hopeful that last week we were going to be able to do a second podcast, but it didn't work out in the end because of various logistical things that go wrong in this day and age. I mean, we were about to record this. Um, and suddenly the engineer appeared and said, "Oh, I just have to restart something." And I'm like, "Right, okay, then." You know, you... Uh, luckily we've all got lots of time on our hands, so you know. Um... Well, I wish I, I wish that was true. I've never been busier. Really? Why is that? Yeah, well, there's a
1: lot going on in in the world of local newspapers. Yes. Trying to keep the businesses alive, basically, because obviously people aren't going out to buy newspapers as much as they were, and we don't make much money as of now from the websites that everyone is suddenly. Using so, it's tough out there. It was tough before this, but it's it's becoming very very tough now in the in the local news. So before oh, you know, we go I... any further, I would just say if you. If you do pass a newsagent, nip in and buy a paper, especially a local one if you can.
0: Well, one of the things that uh, at least people can still do if they're still going into supermarkets is they can do that, can't they? They can, they can still yeah. buy their paper. I don't know whether how much of your local sales are actually in supermarkets, but... You know.
1: Well, actually, supermarkets is where it's fallen off the most because some supermarkets have been saying we don't want to stock local papers anymore and making it difficult. Oh, really? So, yeah, although I think they... I think there was a, an idea that that somehow lo, pa, you know papers were another thing that were dangerous because you know paper boy might have handed it to you and yes. uh, or it's been put on the stack. You know, it's just another thing to touch. But yes. According to the World Health Organization, they're, they're absolutely safe as anything. You know, so right. you can read your local paper and it's full of great news and you'll miss them
0: when they're gone. Was it, who was, the, was it the mail that years ago, or when they first put Metro out or something, That they did, they did some gimmick with gloves, didn't they? Because there was a newsprint problem or something where people were right. getting, their hands were getting all black. And so you could get a free <laughs> pair of gloves or something to read the newspaper with. I can't remember That's when funny. that was. But I'll tell you what, I saw something frightening uh, today on Facebook, and you've probably seen it as well, uh, some, some, some sales figures, where I'm told The Guardian is currently down to 62,000 a day, right? No. And the mirror, uh, the mirror apparently is down to a daily sale of just about 300,000. And the wow. word is that there's going to be furloughs for staff and there's going to be 20% pay cuts for executives and all sorts of yeah. stuff. So, I mean, this is not yeah. a joke. It's not a joke.
1: I read um, well. I read that today that they're putting 20% of their staff on furlough. Right. We've put people on furlough as well. Yeah. Um, you know, sports reporters. A lot of sports reporters sure.
0: haven't got that much to do now. So, no, exactly. And um, how are you finding that system? I mean, you may not be involved in it, but, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because I'm talking to a lot of people on the radio who are falling between the cracks, you know. Like, for example, there's this yeah. situation where somebody who was uh, hired to start their new job after February the 28th basically doesn't qualify for furlough yeah. because they weren't there. And, of course, the government had to set the date somewhere because otherwise people would just sort of, you know, claim to be in a new job, which, is, which they want yeah. 80% money for. But I've, I've had quite a few people say, you know, the government advice is to go back to your old employer and say, "Reemploy me. But, of course, old okay. employers don't want to do that.
1: No, that's terrible. Mm. I mean, I hadn't really thought of that too much, but you're right. And I think freelancers, you know, who are dependent on a variety a wide variety of
0: income yeah.
1: from people they, they're going to see a lot of people see that collapse yeah so, you know there's a lot of people who have fallen through the cracks I yeah and i think the
0: government are, and you know you and i will disagree probably on the way the government have, have, have run this thing anyway but i mean i think the government does need to plug these gaps because finance is, yeah. is very important and and i was what i was going to ask you is do you know whether those people that you've put on furlough are getting the money
1: yeah they will do definitely because our company will guarantee it mm. um, and the people that, um in our company uh, they were all volunteers basically right um, uh, so you know if if you have got less to do then i always find there's nothing more stressful than being in a job and and feeling underworked yes. you know I get incredibly anxious and guilty. So if that was my situation, and unfortunately it's not, I'm run off my feet. Mm. But if it was, I would prefer to take the small um, small hit in salary and... Yeah. Uh, and, and take the furlough.
0: Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, hopefully, a lot of people will take the opportunity um, to either volunteer and do something maybe that they can do within the NHS or they can volunteer something, something else because there's a lot of services that people yeah. who have got time on their hands can do for, for the vulnerable people in the community. I don't want to start sounding like yeah. Joan of Arc here, you know, but I think there's... I don't a. don't think there's any danger of that, mate. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I can tell you this, though. I've done, been doing my bit on Sunday, right... I didn't go out at all. Not, I did what about not. Saturday? Saturday, I put the bin out, right? And ah, uh, that was ah. my only kind of, um, that was my only sort of allowance for, uh, because I had yeah. to put the bin out because it was getting a bit stinky. Um, and then as yeah. I walked outside on Saturday, it was a nice day it was very uh, surprising to me that there were still loads of people walking around, you know? Yeah. And I live in a very yeah. relatively yeah. leafy, quiet part of London, opposite Canary Wharf, yeah. down by the river. And all these people are walking around and cycling. Yeah. And then on Sunday, there was a lot fewer. So I think when Matt Hancock said, you know, this is this is not a joke, you know, if you don't yeah. stop doing this, we're going to make it impossible for you to go out altogether. Yeah.
1: Well, you know? I'm sure that's going to happen in the next week or two. And I just can't understand what the hell is wrong with these people. It's not like... We you know all this stuff about thank you for staying in, you know you are and and the Queen's message, which I thought was great, but really? you know this, this generation of Britons is as good as any well, I'm sorry when you know that is not being tested, no one's dropping bombs on our heads, you know the house next door isn't getting annihilated. Right. So you know, and uh, you know the threat of Nazi hordes thirteen miles across the Channel aren't mm. there either. It's mm. All they're asking you to do is stay in and watch bloody telly. I know, probably a sacrifice.
0: But all of these nutters who are going on and on and on about you know our civil liberties are being impinged upon. I mean, really, are you joking? Yeah. You mean you're being you know you've been asked to stay inside, and it's probably not going to last forever. I had Peter Hitchens yeah. on the show today because we got into a bit of a Twitter spat uh overnight because i said look why don't you sit down and shut up you know you don't know what you're talking about stop encouraging people to go outside you know and of course he did his usual thing where you know well i I would invite i would get you to invite me onto your radio show but you probably decline i'm like well you're wrong the funniest thing about it right though this is going to kill you the funny because you know how seriously he takes himself he's one of these guys like liam gallagher he doesn't actually uh follow anyone on twitter so he follows zero people so i put out a tweet just after midnight saying, okay, and I did a screenshot of our conversation. I said, well, it looks like this is going to happen. Uh, We'll have him on just after midday. Because he doesn't follow me, he didn't see it, right? So I wake up this morning, and he's tweeting some bloke in Peru who's got a very similar handle to mine, but not me, called (laughs) Luis Romero or something, right? Saying, can somebody please ask Mike Graham why he's saying he's not putting me on his radio show when I agreed to do it? This poor bloke's been getting literally thousands of notifications, right? Because everyone's tweeting Hitchens to say... It's not Mike Graham. You're tweeting a guy in in Lima, you you maniac, you know. Just incredible. And I I said it to him on the air. I said, look, you're painting yourself as the the seeker of all knowledge and, you know, the man that knows everything. I said, you've been been tweeting a bloke in Peru most of the morning thinking it was me. You know, why would I take you seriously about whether you should go out or not?
1: I've always thought Peter Hitchens' biggest problem is that he's nowhere near as smart as his brother was. And, he, well, and I think g- growing up in Christopher Hitchens' shadow has yeah, left a mark on him.
0: I think so. And I think he'd probably admit that to you himself. But I did actually manage to make him laugh at the end, you know. Um, and he, he made a funny, re- and I made a funny reference to the Peruvian guy on, on the air. But, I mean, he admitted on the air as well. He said, well, I famously I don't have a sense of humour, which is very true. He really doesn't. <laughs> But it was all good stuff. But the thing is, you know, this nonsense about how we're not doing it right. I mean, we still don't know. Sweden, which people are talking about at the moment as having the right attitude because they're letting people walk around and the herd mentality, the herd immunity and all that. Nobody knows if that's going to work. You know, you won't know.
1: They're they're shitting themselves now. I know.
0: I saw that, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think they've got it hopelessly wrong because there are signs now that uh, Spain and Italy are levelling off and coming down and we're not that far behind them in that graph. So it may, it may, and God knows what's going to happen, but it may get better quicker, you know, God, I hope so.
0: It might well. I mean, the, po- the problem is, is that as I look at these graphs that they keep putting together, and of course everybody talks about South Korea as being the one down below, but apart from yeah. South Korea, everybody else is on the same trajectory, no everybody matter what they're else, doing, yeah. Right. Yeah, everybody. You know, just firing massively
1: upwards. I mean, the one that is going to be shocking is the states. Oh, yeah, I think so. When it really hits them hard, because they've got such a large population, and, you know, it's going to be several thousands of people dying a day when they hit peak. And that's going to be a real
0: challenge. And, I mean, old Donald Trump, right? There's going to be a lot of death. A lot of death. I expected him next to say... But it's going to be great death. You know, it's going to be yeah. the best death you've ever had. It's fantastic death. Because, a bit about you know,
1: his face mask. You know, we you know, I can't sit behind the Resolute Dirt. We're great dictators coming into Washington yeah. and wear a face. I don't see it. Just don't see it. It's like, what, are dictators really still popping into the White House these days?
0: <laughs> yeah, what? I suspect they're probably not. Have you seen, um, I've only just seen this today, um, an open letter to the president written by Motley Crue's drummer Tommy Lee, you know, the guy who uh, who used to shag uh, Pamela Anderson. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, we know a lot more about him than we probably should. Say? Well, the the letter starts um, from the drummer of Motley Crue, an open letter to the president. Dear, It starts, Dear Fucking Lunatic. <laughs> and it basically That's says, wonderful. at your recent press conference, more a word salad than had a stroke and fell downstairs. You were clearly so out of your depth you needed scuba gear. Within minutes of going off air, your minions were backpedaling faster than Cirque du Soleil acrobats. In India, a week ago, I couldn't get past the bit about your being the most popular visitor in the history of fucking India. And it just goes on like that, you know. Brilliant. I'll put Brilliant. it out. To, I'm going to tweet it out later on. But yeah. I think
1: it's interesting. I think this might do for Trump, you know, where it was because it was his big thing was the economy, you know, doing so well and uh, unemployment being so low and all yeah. of this. And this has completely scuppered all of that.
0: So. Yeah. Oh, well, they've, they've already got like 6 million unemployed now. They're going to have something like 14 yes. million. But interestingly enough, they're taking... I was talking to my son in California because he's having to take unemployment because he's lost his job at, his, at the shop where he was working. And they're actually right. paying people um, 1200 a month just in cash, straight out, no questions right. asked effectively. All you do is you go and sign on um, and, and everybody gets the cash payment. It's being debated there as to whether that's a better idea than what we're yeah. doing, you know, by furloughing people.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's something to be said for it, you know, yeah. because then that would, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, freelancers and stuff. That yeah. would cover that problem.
0: Yeah, it would. But, I mean, the problem is, um, Matt, the, the economy is going to be so screwed um, that it almost has yeah. to recover because yeah. there's no way that it won't recover, in my view. And this is what I say to people like Peter Hitchens who are very doom and gloom about the economy. You know, the economy won't die. And the reason it won't die is because it's going to be so in hoc to the government that the government is going to yeah. have to save it.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's all it's impossible that the economy can die because we will go back to making things and buying things and right. moving things around the country. But it's uh it is I think it is going to be uh on its absolute knees by the time we come out of this.
0: Yeah. Although bits of it and, probably and I mean bits of it won't be, be I suppose because you know for well, example the food business. I mean I went um I didn't I didn't, normally on a Saturday I go to Borough Market. I didn't go this week. So I didn't yeah. have to drive there. Because on Friday, I went to a shop, a supermarket down in Greenwich, a, a Waitrose, as it happens, and it had everything I needed to get. So the, yeah. the days of the kind of empty shelves seem to have disappeared from what I can see.
1: Yeah, no, I I read that, that they're getting back to stock. The things, the thing that bugs me, is our kids drink milk like it's going out of fashion, so being able to get UHT milk is the last sort of sense of... Of sacrifice, I'm experiencing. Yes. We've got yeah, you mentioned now. you
0: mentioned that. I guess what you're going to have to do is start uh, sending the kids shopping, right? Um, because yeah. if you're only allowed to buy three things, you know, you're yeah. going to have to all start to go individually shopping, which kind of defeats the object, doesn't it? It does. It doesn't seem like it's quite in the Blitz spirit that we're all <laughs> meant to be adhering to. How are the kids doing, by the way? Without wishing to get too personal,
1: so it's no, no, it's fine. It's it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because you don't normally spend this much time cooped up together. Yeah. And so I would say to you, the first sort of 10 days was pretty rough for yeah. all of us. as we right. kind of sort of adjusted to each other's company. Right. But they have settled into a bit of a groove now, you know, and we've all compromised a bit on how we expect each other to live. So, yes. you know, I don't get so wound up by my eldest music now, right. the fact that he's on his Xbox all the time. Right. He, he, he does some homework now and he's got, um, you know, we've got some discipline about that now, yeah. and you know we spend a bit of time in the garden and painting, and right. you know. So that has been. There are many nice things about this. If yeah, not, if and not if you've got and if it. you've
0: got a garden, it's great. You know, my my kids yeah. were. I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, on uh, FaceTime and, and and house party and stuff like that this weekend. Um, yeah. And I had a chat with my older son uh, in California, as they say, where well, his sisters in Dubai. They've got a total lockdown now in Dubai. I saw so, that so much so that do you know what they've done? They've actually zero rated the uh, the radar cameras, you know, the traffic speed cameras, so that if you even right. move, you'll get right. a ticket. Is that so, right? Yeah, they put it at zero. A good idea. Well, you know, and I said to her, she, she was like, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm still allowed out. She said, we're not really allowed out for a run, but I, I'm not sure if I can do without that. I said, look. Dubai's not the place where you want to break the curfew, trust me. No. You know? And so I don't her, think she's going no. to but she's having more trouble probably than most members of my yeah. family because as I think I've said to you before, she's only ever worked. She's never not really worked. And although she's yeah. although she's still they're still producing a show out there, um, she's not going anywhere. So she's having to sit in her palatial forty first floor apartment with a balcony. Yeah overlooking the Burge whatever it's called you know and I said to her you know you're not really in terrible shape darling you know you're getting paid still working you've got Waitrose that delivers to you you know just deal with it
1: Fantastic I mean I think people have got to take we're never going to get this opportunity again Mm. where we're going to have this amount of of time, you know, to do something, so I would say, do what you know, learn that language that yeah. you always thought about, learn to play the piano, read right. that, read Ulysses by James Joyce. You know, that's been on my list for about 40 years now, and I've yes. never got around to it. Well, I might do now,
0: yeah, right. Well, do you know what? My my food podcast that I told you I was going to start, I, I yeah, kicked, I kicked it, it off, I kicked it off this week. Um and actually it's going really well people are really liking it people are kind of getting into it a couple of people started cooking from it so we're going to do basically two and it's just me in the kitchen literally yeah. talking into my iPhone yeah. Um did you find it because obviously the TV chefs
1: make it sound and feel very easy did yeah. you find did you find actually
0: uh, do it talking while you were cooking and all of that? Could you? Was it easy to do? Could you fill well, the time? Well, do you know, the? when I first started doing it, I thought this is going to be really tough because one of the things that I found was that I was actually out of breath doing it, right? Right. And I thought to myself, either I've got bloody coronavirus or I'm going to have to change the way that I do because normally I'm sitting at a at a microphone like, like I am now
1: and I'm not yeah. moving
0: around. But when you start moving around, suddenly yeah. it's, it's a different sort of uh, dynamic, you know? So... Yeah. I started doing it, and, and the first sort of recording I made, I thought, this is awful. This is really bad. Um, and then I kind of got more into it and got more used to it and basically just pretended that I was talking to somebody in the room yeah. rather than into a microphone, and that made yeah. it a lot easier. But you can hear, like, all the sounds. So you can hear, like, the onions, um, you know, frying in the yeah. pan. You can hear the bubbling of the potato. I mean, it's, just, it's, a, it's yeah. a remarkably... Um, rounded experience, in fact. You yeah, know. Um, I it, it was spaghetti bolognese, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, and also yeah. the idea I'm going to have is that I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try and show off. I'm not going to try and do fancy stuff. But a lot of people, believe it or not, actually don't know how to cook anything um, because yeah. they've never been taught. So I'm basically teaching them more than anything else, and having little tidbits like I've got. I've got one coming out midweek. I'm going to do little sort of uh, little sort of almost tutorials how to mash potatoes which I know yeah. is going to sound ridiculously stupid to anyone who knows how to mash potatoes, but if you've never done it, you know, you yeah. kind of go, oh, that's what you do. And people are frightened yeah. of it, you know? My favourite
1: um, my favorite cooking story was when Marco Pierre White did the <laughs> recipe column for the Daily Mirror. Yeah. Because Piers used to go around getting all these columnists that could get him something, you know, so Marco Pierre right. White could get him a great table at all his restaurants and that. So yeah. Marco, Marco became the Daily Mirror's cooking correspondent because he's and, right up
0: their street isn't he
1: yeah no totally so
0: <laughs> I, and as
1: as features editor i was responsible for dealing with his copy right. and one came in, uh, and it was it was white truffle lobster sp- uh, linguine oh right? yes and, of course and and it and and it started <laughs> by uh, saying take two live lobsters right, right. <laughs> so you can imagine the mirror readers on a saturday morning going you what yeah what well, yeah and, And we priced it up, and it came to something like 62 quid a head, right? Well, just to cook it at home. Yeah, we went to Piers and said, look, I'm not being funny, mate. We know that he's got incredible cachet and all of that, but this recipe costs you £62 a portion. Right. So Piers uh, phoned Marco and said, look, you know, you're taking the piss a bit here. These are mirror readers, you know, they're salt-of-the-earth people, ordinary working-class people. They don't have you know, white truffle lobster linguine. They don't even know what a white truffle right. is. So Marco said, okay, Piers, understood. Leave it with me. And then the next week, the recipe came in, and it was beans on toast. <laughs>
0: take a, take one tin of Heinz baked beans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was un- uh, he was unloading quite a lot of uh, money for that column as well because I seem to remember when yeah. I was back in um, in the Express in the nineties he was always uh, in the news for one reason or another he was either with the wrong woman or he was having a fight and his, yeah. his one of his ex-wife threw him out I think That's at right. one point and he was, was there was like fighting going on outside the house it was hilariously kind of mad yeah
1: and he's sort of gone off the boy Gordon Ramsay kind of stole his thunder a yeah. I think didn't he? Yeah. in terms of celebrity chef stuff. I, I think always so. always quite like Marco Pierre White, because he was always a bit, he always felt, he was a bit like the Eric Cantona of the yes. kitchen, you know, you just never knew what he was going to come out with yeah, next.
0: Yeah, that's right. And they I mean, they are famously, most chefs that I've ever met, famously crazy. And funny enough, yeah. a, that guy that we met at Piers's party, James Chiaverini, um, yeah. he came on, to, uh, he listened to the podcast, thought it was great, because he's got two restaurants yeah. in Kensington, right? But he's the yeah. guy who shoots his own food, right? He goes down oh, to uh, so. Sussex and shoots yeah. deer and pheasant and all that. He says, I've got a better one than that. He said, you can when, you can do one of your podcasts. You can come with me down to uh, Sussex and we can shoot some stuff and then cook it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it would be great. But that of course, who great. knows when that's going to happen? I mean, I, I'm hearing, as I'm sure you are, that this week is the sort of the key week, basically, that one yeah. one uh, week from now, we might know an awful lot more about whether this, this has peaked and whether we have yeah. been or we will be able to move on, in which case, you know, I've said to my kids, you never know. Um, you might be able to go back to school in sort of yeah. June or something, you know?
1: Yeah. But what – I mean, what do you think is – so say it does peak this week yeah. and we start to see some declines. What's your reading of what happens next? I know no one knows for sure, but what do you think
0: will happen? Well, do you know what's interesting to me, and I was talking to my sister over the weekend who as well who works in the kind of consulting business. There's consultants crawling around all over this, Right. Uh, people yeah. from Deloitte, people from Accenture, people from all sorts of other uh, companies are working with governments around the world, right? So they're logistically sort of, you know, um, what do they call it, wall gaming, all of this stuff, yeah. right? So um, they're working inside of Whitehall, they're working inside of the White House, they're working inside of, I know, Mario Cuomo's uh, office in New York State. And so they're yeah. coming up with basically whatever is this exit plan and how it's going to work. you know. And what you say, for example, to restaurant owners who have had their restaurants shut for two months, uh, do you then say to them, well, you can now open up your restaurants? Um, I, yeah. I, I just don't know. I wonder um, whether they might move to a kind of a, um, a situation where they start to protect the, the more vulnerable people only and they start to tell other people that they can move around. But, of course, again, you have a problem because if you look at um, what happened, for example, in Florida in spring break, right, in February, somebody somebody in America has done a kind of a flow chart of where all those people went. And literally all the kids who were down on beaches, you know, snogging each other and kissing each other and pouring beer all over each other have literally flown to every other state in America. Yeah. Right? So even places where they didn't have it much have now got it.
1: I guess they like they might say, um, you know, this age group can now go back to work if you work in these sectors or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, or they might try to. They might say, you know, right, the northwest will will start to, you know, reduce restrictions there. But I can't help feeling that they will be very reluctant to do anything like that for many weeks. Yes. Because of course, as soon as you, like you've just said, the minute you uh, relax the restrictions. Until we've got a vaccine, it's all going to start flaring up again. Yeah,
0: well, exactly right. And some people have, uh, again, called the show and said to me, you know, well, in certain parts of Wales, there's not very much of it. So why can that not be, you know, taken out of lockdown? And I said, well, because if people from there then go somewhere else and they bring it back, then yeah. suddenly you've got it again. You know, yeah, yeah. it's very difficult Did you to see know, that really. Tiger? Did you see that tiger yeah. that's
1: got? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought that was quite chilling, the fact that it can jump species from humans because they animals. say
0: yeah because i heard a, a guy on the radio the other day saying it won't do that because the virus likes the human um sort of body form for whatever reason it doesn't need to go to another form of uh, of, of species because it might not be as successful so viruses would normally stay where they like to be so that's what, all so that that's the all virus bo- is sitting there going that so,
1: look it's a tiger. Ty- nah not going look, i'm not
0: jumping to a tiger <laughs> Well, nah. this guy's argument was, look, if it's successfully killing people, why would it jump to a tiger, which it might not be able to kill?
1: I so don't know. It might, I mean, I think my dog might have bleating. it. My, I
0: told you about the dog, didn't I? Yeah. The dog, I mean, has got some kind of chest infection. Um, yeah. So the dog might have it. You see, my, my entire yeah. family might have had it, which makes it incredibly... We, we, let me just
1: outdo Peter Hitchens with some kind of cataclysmic, <laughs> like, doom and gloom. It could. We don't know how this is going to end. It could like never go away. You know, yeah. this could
0: be the end of civilization as we know it, or just the way that civilization is going to be, rather than the end. I mean, I'm like well, you. That's what I mean. You know, I'm like you. Everything might have to change.
1: Everything might have to change. Yeah. And Frankly, if if we have to continue with this level of human interaction, I'll be absolutely delighted.
0: <laughs> well, it's absolutely right. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not missing going to the pub in the way that I thought that I would. Right. Um yeah. I'm I'm I constantly surprised at how everybody is dealing with it despite the sort of occasional crazy people who complain that they you know they can't go out and you know their lives are over actually um, I'm really surprised at how calm everybody is yeah you what's know what's the biggest thing you've you've missed in the last sort of two and a half three weeks probably human contact just you know yeah. the physical contact of hugging somebody you know because yeah. um, apparently you can't do that in the office anymore which kind of disappoints me. <laughs> <laughs> Although, that's got nothing to do with the coronavirus. <laughs> but, you know, um, I haven't yeah. actually hugged another human being since this all this yeah. lockdown. So we're basically talking through a bit. So Since the last time I was in Sussex, yeah, when I was hugging the dog and the kids and their mother as well, you know, nothing. Yeah, it's weird, but, isn't it? That? But it's not making me... It's not driving me to despair. You know, I don't no. have... I don't wake up in the morning and feel like, oh my God, this is so awful. I can't, ma- I can't manage. Yeah. Um, I think, I think what I've missed is the
1: kind of distinction between weekdays and weekends. Yeah, you know, they're, they're starting to blur into one another. Well, now. see,
0: I'm lucky because I still have the week where I come, I'm coming into work, so I'm still physically yeah. getting up at seven in the morning, getting into the yeah. car, driving into the office. You know, um, yeah. which, which I hope will, will long continue. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, well, the other thing is, and I don't know how much of this you did as a younger reporter, but I spent a lot of time in cars doorstepping people, right, Yeah. for years, um, both in America, uh, in this country, in Spain, in various other parts of the world, you know, um, and I've stood around waiting for something to happen and watching nothing happen for hours and sometimes for days, and I <laughs> yeah. wonder whether that kind of has prepared me for this, you know? <laughs> Your ability to... To
1: witness nothing yes. happening,
0: yeah on a sustained basis yeah and also i mean yeah. social media helps a lot because i'm um, you know you can yeah. be on your own now and you're never on your own if you know what i mean um yeah. yeah i mean i spent a good part of yesterday probably about four continuous hours talking to to somebody on 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 the phone or to, on my facetime you know yeah so suddenly i looked <laughs> up and it was like 7 at night and i hadn't made it i hadn't had yeah. any dinner and i was like oh great you know um the right, hard... Let's switch. The... Let's switch uh, topic. Yeah, Keir Staller. Yes. What do you think? I think he's an absolute waste of space. I think this Did is a guy. You? Yeah. I think he's ah. he's Mister Nobody. Um, I don't right. know what he believes in. I've got no idea what his what his conviction politics are. Apart from yeah. that, he'd like to stay in the European Union, and he wishes we still were in it.
1: Yeah, I really like him, obviously for those reasons. But I, I also think he's very electable. You know, I think he looks
0: the part. Yeah. I don't think he does. I don't think he comes across at all well. He's kind of got this kind of sh- uh, startled look about him.
1: Right, yes. No, he does have a sort of... You know, like he's you've just you just found project. him doing
0: something he shouldn't be doing.
1: Yeah, well, I think, in, you know, he's got three years, three or four years now to, to get to the point where he he really has that sort of Blair-esque magnetism. So if he if he can do a bit of media training and they coach him, I think... Because he's, he's, he is very intelligent and he's very articulate. The problem is that he talks a little bit like the barrister that's he the once trouble. was. That
0: is the trouble. Yeah. And he is a barrister. Do yeah. you know what I think of barristers? Yeah. You know, they not all think much. they're very clever and they all think they can tie everybody up in knots. But in fact, um, in politics, it's not about being clever. It's about being smart, which is yeah. a very different yeah. thing, you know? That's right. I think
1: that's that, that's a very interesting observation, Matt. There are so many very clever people not yeah. just in politics but people who don't get as far as you'd imagine they would right because they're not smart and well, there is a big difference. i mean
0: look at nicola sturgeon i was really amazed at nicola sturgeon at the weekend you know this woman uh catherine whatever her name is the chief medical yeah. officer goes off to fife not once but twice right and yeah. nicola sturgeon appears on the stage with her on a, at a press conference and defends her and i'm yeah. watching it and I'm, i was tweeting out going this woman ain't gonna last a day she can't yeah. possibly last the day. Everybody's asking her the same question. You know, yeah. why did you break the law? And saying to Nicola yeah. Sturgeon, did she tell you she was going to break the law? I mean, I'm surprised yeah. in a way that Sturgeon survived it. It's amazing. Have you seen those um,
1: funny videos where someone's dubbed over them in, in a very heavy Glaswegian accent? No.
0: Oh, they're hilarious. Oh, you mean Nicola the Sturgeon, Sturgeon ones? Yes, I have seen some of those. Yeah. And she actually, she goes. to her credit, she actually acknowledged them and said they were quite funny. Right. You're busting my heater, are uh, you fucking Egypt? Uh, well, I, I mean, I used to know her quite well. We used to drink champagne together in Regano's, you know, when I was up there. Um, and you know, now she doesn't answer my now she doesn't answer my calls. <laughs> uh. <enough>. but, <laughs> but but you know, you like she, she she was great fun. She was all she was yeah. like the sort of deputy leader of the SNP in Scotland to Salmond. Um, yeah. Which is another story altogether, I suppose, that we didn't know yeah. about at the time. But now she was, she was, she was a right old laugh, you know. I, I, because we almost at one point at the Scottish Mirror, you might not know this, got into bed with the SNP because I'd I said, to, I'd said to peers, you know, this is a really bad idea supporting the Labour Party in Scotland because they are screwing it up, you know, in spades, and we should be backing the SNP. Um, yeah. And funnily enough, it got to the stage where um, we were talking to senior figures in the SNP, including her about how we would do it. And this was for the Scottish election, I think, rather than the general. Um, And then suddenly Mark Hollinshead appeared at my door one day, which is when he was the (laughs) uh, managing director of the record of Sunday Mail. Yeah. Um, And he said, um, I've just had a call from um, uh, Victor Blank. I said, oh, yeah? He said he wants to know why you're uh, backing the SNP.
1: Yeah.
0: And I said, what's it got to do with you? He said, well, he's asked me to ask you. I said, well, I don't talk to you. I said, you have to talk to Piers Morgan about that. I'm not giving you any information at all. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know, why were we surprised that as soon as he became the boss down in London, he shut the Scottish Mirror. <laughs> yeah, but, but Mark has got the
1: thickest. Skin of any newspaper executive I've ever known. Well, he
0: proved that by falling through a glass coffee table. Um, not too many yeah. uh, days later from that particular conversation, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and he survived massively well, considering you know all the places he's been and all the various yeah. kind of problems that have happened there. I like him a lot. I like started, him. Yeah,
1: he started with my dad on the Birmingham Post as a Is that marketing right? executive. Yeah. yeah, funny. My dad was the editor. It was his first gig, I think, straight out as a uni. Right. But he used to put up with torrid. Screaming matches from uh, Sly Bailey... Yeah, I bet. ..who was the chief executive and quite a character. We
0: must talk about... We should talk about her, yeah. What's this in between her ordering shoes and clothes and things to be delivered to the office? honestly, I've got so many good stories about Sly. Oh, we must do that. Well, what do you think the chance... We're coming to the end now, so what do you think the chances are of um, doing a second one this week? I think that probably limited to non-existence. I'm, quite, I'm quite happy it. to just do one, but we just, yeah. I, I, I don't want to tell people we're going to do two if we're not going to do two. So why don't we just do yeah. one then? I think for the duration, we'll have a bit of social distancing between our podcasts. Okay. Now let me ask yeah. you one final question before I let you go. Yeah. Um, have you got a tennis court? We- <laughs> I saw this wow. on Facebook and thought to myself, surely the champagne socialist Matt Kelly doesn't now have a tennis court.
1: So I live, right, I live on a place that used to be uh, a borstal, right, right. in about 1968. In <laughs> 1968, right. it got converted into uh, really nice, like, flats, you know. So, and we live in what was the uh, the supervisor, the governor's little bungalow, you know, on the side. Yeah. And, really, and it's a lovely, lovely area. It's about two-minute walk down to the river, and it's, so peaceful and it's only fifteen minutes from Norwich. But I on site on site is a tennis court, So yeah, I do that's in amazing. The manner of
0: speaking. That's yeah. amazing. Are you
1: any good? I'm a, I'm, am I any good? Yeah. No, I'm hopeless. Right. But my kids are my kids are pretty good.
0: They I used to be quite good at tennis, believe it or not. One of these days we'll have a game.
1: Yeah, all right, yeah. I'll come well, and visit I'm you. Oh, i getting plenty of practice.
0: <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, listen, take care of yourself, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll be well, seeing I'll you. We'll be seeing everybody at the same time next week. Take it easy. Yeah. Take care. I'm really surprised at how calm everybody is. Yeah. You What's know. What's the biggest thing you've you've missed in the last sort of two and a half, three weeks? Probably human contact. Just you know yeah. the physical contact of hugging somebody. You know, because yeah. um, apparently you can't do that in the office anymore, which kind of disappoints me. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's got nothing to do with the coronavirus. <laughs> but you know, um, I haven't yeah. actually hugged another human being since this all this yeah. lockdown. So we're basically talking through weeks so Since the last time I was in Sussex, yeah, when I was hugging the dog and the kids and their mother as well. You know, nothing. Yeah, it's weird, but, isn't it? That? But it's not making me. It's not driving me to despair, you know, I don't have I don't wake up in the morning and feel like, oh my God, this is so awful, I can't ma- I can't manage. Um, I think I think what I've missed is the kind
1: of distinction between weekdays and weekends. yeah, you know they're, they're starting to blur into one another. Well, now. see,
0: I'm lucky because I still have the week where I come I'm coming into work, so I'm still physically getting up at seven in the morning, getting into the yeah. car, driving into the office, you know, um, yeah. which which I hope will will long continue. Um, but uh, you know what the other thing is and I don't know how much of this you did as a younger reporter but I spent a lot of time in cars doorstepping people right? Yeah, for years um, both in America, uh, in this country in Spain, in various other parts of the world you know um, and I've stood around waiting for something to happen and watching nothing happen for hours and sometimes for days and I wonder whether that kind of has prepared me for this you know (laughs) your ability to To witness nothing happening. Yeah. On a sustained basis. Yeah. Pierre Stalmer, what do you think? I think it's an absolute waste of space.